Welcome to Tales from the Fourth Trimester, a podcast dedicated to the beauty and brutality of new motherhood. I'm your host, Naomi Krisalakis, and I'm a postpartum doula and cook in Sydney, Australia. My service, Cocoon, provides good food and a helping hand for new mummers. Join me as I chat to women about what happened after they brought their baby home and interview experts for their wisdom. Because giving birth is just the beginning. Hello and welcome to episode 57 of Tales from the Fourth Trimester. Sorry, I just lay back on my bed because I am currently on the cusp of being 38 38 weeks pregnant and lying back is the most comfortable position for me. Um, but then I was reading today, it's actually better not to lie back because it encourages the baby to go posterior. So excuse me while I just rearrange myself into more of a side-lying position um, and get comfy. Because today I wanted to... That's that cushion. Um, today I wanted to talk to you about... Uh, my second and third trimesters and what I what I'm doing to prepare for the next chapter so I had planned to do a little update for second trimester um, but that kind of ended as soon as COVID kicked off and it just didn't happen Um, I feel like that's the same with a lot of things that just didn't happen um, as we all kind of learn to live with a new reality, a different reality um, and pivoted in many different ways. So um, yeah, I was just sort of coming towards the end of my second trimester when shit started getting real and I kind of made the call to self-isolate um and we decided Michael and I decided to take Margot out of preschool um I think I was more worried than he was at the start and then once things started getting worse well actually no what happened was I cracked the shits um and just completely lost it um not in an anger, like I, I had a bit of a meltdown and I was just feeling really anxious and scared and oh my god like pregnancy pandemic I've got gestational diabetes I'm asthmatic I can't you know this is not not good for me um and Michael at that point was still working in an office um, catching the train to work. And when I was sort of saying to him, well, I think you should at least drive to work. He was kind of a bit flippant about it. And I was, that was it. Like I just completely, you know, the tears, everything. Um, and he ended up, I think by the end of that week, um, he was working from home and he was one of the first people in his office to do so, but they all soon followed suit, um, like so many of us. So I kind of, um, came out of a really nice second trimester. Um, it feels like such a long time ago. I feel like my first trimester was kind of marked by, um, you know, not feeling great, um, bushfires. It was a lot of, um, existential angst about the fires that were happening. Um, and then I'm just trying to remember the timeline. So, and then it's, I remember in my last wrap up, I was talking a lot about learning to live with gestational diabetes. Cause I think at the end of my first trimester, that was when I started doing my self testing. Um, and it became, clear that I had gestational diabetes again, which was something I'd really been hoping to avoid. And I was really upset by that. It threw me and yeah, it really got me down. Um, but I have a really great GP. I had to kind of, uh, you know, that, that idea of like a forever home. I like to think of a forever GP and I hope my lovely GP is the one, um, (laughs) but she's great. And 
between her and my midwife, we just kind of worked out a bit of a strategy that would um, sort of redirect me on a different path from what I went down last time with gestational diabetes. So it meant working with a private endocrinologist um, who I started seeing before COVID happened. Um, I had a couple of appointments with and she was fantastic. I felt really confident with her. I didn't feel like I was just on a conveyor belt of hospital, you know, endocrinologists who are bound to follow a really arbitrary protocol and, and um, you know, certain hospitals have certain diagnostic criteria. Like she just looked at me as a whole person, <laughs> which was really nice. Different experience from the first time around. Um, and I can't remember if I have said this in, I had said this in the, the last wrap up that I did, but I did end up um, on insulin at night because same deal with Margot. I could get my numbers under control during the day. Um, mainly by following Lily Nichols protocol, which is kind of lower, lower carb eating, um, and whole foods. So I could, that, that seemed to really help keep my numbers under control. And I did sort of veer off from that occasionally and try like, what happens if I have a falafel roll or whatever? And it would spike my numbers. I'd be like, okay, not that then. So it was just the fasting numbers, which are the ones that you take first thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, prick your finger, test, mine were too high and not just a lead. I mean, they were not crazy that I was like, oh, this is terrible, but they weren't sort of by 0.1, which I would have been like, oh, well, it that's fine. It was kind of just a bit too high for my comfort. So working with the endocrinologist was fantastic. And um, she was, she really sort of respected my decisions, um, which was great. I also got into have my 20 week scan before COVID hit. So I was able to do that. I think I was actually 19 weeks and I had to go back three times because the baby wasn't cooperating. Um, he, they ha you have to get like all four chambers of the heart. And if you've had one done, you'll know how many things they have to kind of tick off the list and they can't just be like, oh, well, we've missed one, but you know, that's, that's fine. Like they won't, they won't kind of do that. They won't do a report until they've got every single thing. So it took us three weeks um, and three different appointments to <laughs> get everything, but fortunately everything was looking great. I haven't had a scan since then, um, which is a conscious decision. Um, I could have had, if I was going through the hospital system, it would have been recommended that I had a scan at about 34 weeks. Um, particularly with the diabetes, they like to see if the baby's measuring big, but what, which I did last time, um, what I didn't realize last time, which I've since found out is that ultrasounds in the third trimester, particularly the later you get on, are up to 500 grams inaccurate either way, which is a huge amount. And because of the diabetes, I was just really worried that I could have had someone say to me, you've got a big baby, when actually I didn't. And that would get in my head and impact on the way that I birthed. So I trust my midwife when she tells me that um, the baby, like she feels the baby, she's measuring my fundal height, like measures my stomach. I'm bang on average. I was bang on average um, on my 20-week scan. Um, like I haven't put on much weight. Like it's all looking fine. So I felt comfortable um, not having another scan. And um, I mean down the track if it was – if I was to go past 40 weeks, that's something we might revisit, but I'm not worried about it. Um, and I also remember last time, Margot, they told me she was measuring big, uh, or a bit big. They weren't like too worried about it, but it did impact on, you know, the push to be induced. And um, she came out 3.4 kilos, which is really very average. So, you know, with that in mind, I was just like, no, I'm good. 
So, yeah, lockdown happened for me and my family sort of middle of March, I feel like, was when we started self-isolating. And I think (laughs) I've always had this idea that, oh, wouldn't it be nice to kind of have Margot home with me a lot? Like I veer between being like, oh, I can't handle it, to wouldn't it be so nice? Like I look at people who do Steiner school or homeschooling or do lots of craft with their kids or whatever, and I always kind of go, oh, that's, you know, that's so beautiful. And um, also like a partner who works from home, like how lovely is that? And so I got my wish and then I was like, no, 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 no. This is not, this is not my bag of chips. I feel like I really threw myself into um, like a home Steiner school, homeschool life for the first couple of weeks. Um, And (laughs) then I was like, this is fucked. I can't do it. And I think that's partly because I'm, I'm pregnant. Um, the the really difficult thing, which I think made a huge difference, was that my husband. Um, we don't have a massive house, and we've got two bedroom home, uh, but he can't fit his editing. So he's a TV editor. He couldn't fit his editing setup into either of the bedrooms. So it meant that he was set up in. Um, a cor- like the back corner of our house, which is just a little kind of study area off the kitchen. There's no door on it. Um, Margot and I spent a lot of time in the kitchen. That study area you have to walk through to get out to the back garden. So it became really stressful for me and still is stressful to try and let him have the peace and quiet that he needs to get his work done Um, because he couldn't close the door. Of course, Margot wants to talk to him. I want to talk to him. He wants to talk to us. Like it's, it's really tricky. And there have been a lot of really nice things to come out of him being at home. Like we have lunch together fairly frequently, unless he's really busy. Um, We'll all sit down for lunch and you know, there's obviously no commute, so it's a lot easier. There was a period before it was getting a bit too dark and cold where he was clocking off at five o'clock and taking Margot for a walk around the neighborhood for half an hour or so. So there's been some really lovely aspects to it. But on a practical level, our house is just not designed to have someone working from home while (laughs) there are two other people who are just trying to have their day. And Margot, she's just turned four, She's quite loud and rambunctious and likes to run around and screech and, you know, the things that kids do. Um, And I like to be in the kitchen cooking and listening to the radio. It just, it was, it it was pretty, it was like, okay, I've got to keep the kid entertained, but also like be mindful of, of Michael working. That's been hard. And I really did go through a period where like it was great at the start for a couple of weeks and then it got really hard and I was like I just don't know how I can do this so I should also add that we pulled Margot out of preschool and my parents went into self-isolation as well so she wasn't seeing them so Margot was with me Monday to Friday um childcare was all on me and that was fucking hard I'm not gonna lie I don't think I'm cut out for like full-time stay-at-home mum life. Um, And I was then also cooking on a Sunday. So I'd spend my whole day Sunday cooking. Michael would take Margot out. Then we would often go as a whole family or sometimes it would just be me or sometimes it would be Margot and we'd go and deliver the food on Monday morning. I think I did about a month of that and after a month I was like, this is not sustainable. I'm losing my mind because it meant that Saturday was my only day off really. Um, and uh, I just wasn't uh, like I was looking after Margot all week and then working all day Sunday. It was, it was too hard being pregnant. And yeah, so I made the call to, um, I had already reduced the menu and, um, I reduced, I, I decided to, 
um, reduce it down even further and post out my cookies. And um, then I went into maternity leave earlier than I'd planned. Um, The real silver lining of that was that it gave me permission to slow down, which I would have otherwise found really hard to give myself. So I, I feel like I, I, I was like, I can keep going business as usual when it first happened. And then I've slowly, slowly been winding down pretty much since April. Um, and there was definitely a moment when, you know, my, I asked Michael to put all of my jars away and it was like two months earlier than I'd planned. And I cried because I love doing this work and it's something that I've, you know, put a lot of effort into, um, to build my business. Um, and it was hard to then be like, this is too hard. I have to press pause. But ultimately I knew that I needed to put my, like my health and my sanity and my family and everything before that. Um, and just being pregnant, you know, it's just another layer of stuff. So that's kind of what happened on the business front. I have been having regular antenatal appointments with my midwife. So one of the benefits of having a home birth is that I haven't had to go into a hospital. I haven't had my life disrupted by, you know, changing schedules and telehealth stuff and, oh, you can't come in because of this or you can't have a partner at your appointment or, um, you know, you can't have particular support people at the birth. It's just like, it's, I, I, I'm, I'm so grateful. Um, and I feel so much for people who are having a hospital birth, um, because it's, I know it's complicated. Um, but I'm very grateful I'm having a home birth. And I think it's also, it sort of helped me feel even more confident in my choice. I was already feeling really comfortable, but, um, you know, I feel like the last few months have been really lovely, building up um, more of a relationship with my midwife and my doula. We did, sorry, I'm not, I'm not totally being accurate there. We did have, I think one or maybe two um, telehealth conferences instead, like Zoom calls instead of um, in person before I was 30 weeks. But after that, we've just been doing the normal appointments. That's the, the guidelines. Um and that's been really great. Um, I started doing yoga with my friend Mon back when I was, I think I was about 14 weeks. Um, I started doing some semi-private classes with her and another lady who was pregnant. And that was really wonderful. When COVID hit, it went on to Zoom and it's just been a little weekly hourly class that I often do in my kitchen while Margot watches a play school episode or something. Um, and Michael's in the background, um, but there's been a lot of focus on birth prep, um, and you know, things like practicing for contractions by getting into like uncomfortable positions, um, which I found massively helpful. Um, so I, I think I just had my last class today. I'm not sure if we're going to do another week or not, but um, that's been really wonderful. I was doing, I've been doing Pilates for some time, um, also like a semi-private sort of way. So you're doing your own personal program under the guidance of um, my lovely instructor, Rachel, and she's got a, like two other people in the class. So that was I was, I continued on with that first and second trimester and then that all moved to Zoom as well. And it was, it became more like a map class. Um, it wasn't, it's not the same as getting that personalized attention and hands-on attention, but I think between Pilates and yoga, it's really helped me stay mobile and I have felt it more physically this pregnancy, um, than I did with Margot. And I, I think that with their, with their help, um, it's been really, really made a difference. Um, I've also been not so much in the last couple of weeks, I'm afraid, but I was doing like little walking workouts, um, after dinner to help with the gestational diabetes. Um, and I'm just so tired now. Like, I mean, I've been tired, but now I'm just like physically so 
kind of blah. Um, it's become hard. And I was also doing core and floor pe- pregnancy program, which is all about um, strengthening, but there's also quite a lot of birth education in there. Um, so that's been really great. And the videos are quite short. I mean, she's like, put three together and make it a, you know, whole thing. I'm like, no, I'll just stick to doing my 15 minute arm workout things. Or, you know, there'll be like a, it looks easy. And it's like, oh, it's only 15 minutes. This will be fine. And I'm wrecked by the end of it. Just on a, not so much the cardio front, but although there are some cardio ones in there, but just the strength stuff. Um, and it's all about functional movement and learning how to move properly. So if you're after a good kind of getting ready for birth program, I'd recommend Cora and Flora Store and um, Bernadette's been on the, on the podcast before. Um, what else have I been doing to get ready? The big one has been she births. So I'd heard about she births from, I, I, I don't remember where I first heard about it, but I had a couple of clients who did it and raved about it. And that made me, this is before I was pregnant, but it made me quite keen to check it out um, when I got pregnant. So what really appealed to me about she births was how it seems that it's well, it is a, um, and it seemed at the time, a combo of quite um, almost like yoga elements and spiritually, like there's definitely, that makes it sound really woo-woo, which it's not. This is what I loved about it was that it was very practical um, and very kind of, you know, step one, step two, step three, but also had another layer of, and this is what you're going through emotionally and this is the sort of transformation and the psychology and I I found it to be a really fantastic combination of quite a few different philosophies without it being um, too much of a mishmash, if that makes sense. Like I it's very much kind of my vibe. Like if you, if you've done yoga, if you're into yoga, I feel like she births, you get it straight away. Um, Nadine's a like yoga teacher. She comes at it from quite a yogic sort of perspective, but I'm not like by any means a yoga um, devotee or fanatic or, you know, like I just like to do a class once a week and I find it really nice and whatever. Um, but I could kind of get into it from that perspective. Um, and there's so many, like so many practical tools. Um, we did the online course and that was pre COVID that we decided to do that, but it worked out to be, um, the best decision. We kind of wanted to do it because we felt like it would allow us to do it around normal family life and we could do it after Margot was in bed and, you know, that sort of thing. And um, I'm happy to say that that's exactly how it turned out. So Michael and I would often just chip away. Like we'd be like, okay, by the end of the week, let's try and get, you know, to this part of the module. Um, Or we'd be like, you know what? Oh, my microphone's just Oh no, what's it going to do? Okay. No, no. It's not going to stand up. Yes, it is. Okay. Um, yeah. So some nights we'd be like, oh no, not, not in the mood for it. Just want to watch some Netflix. Fine. And then we'd have like the next three nights we'd be like, yeah, let's smash it out. And, um, that was good, you know, to really feel like it was working around us rather than, you know, last time I was pregnant with Margot, I did a calm birth weekend course. And, um, I think calm birth's got a lot going for it, but I, I think it was a lot to take in, in a weekend. It was really intensive. Um, and I enjoyed this experience more in terms of taking things and digesting them and then taking on the next thing and then having a conversation with Michael about what we'd learned and whether we thought that was good and whether we needed to practice this bit more and whatever. So that for me, I found really great. Um, side note, if you want to do the She Births online course, I have a discount code. 
um, which is Cocoon 10. I'm going to double check that when I stop recording, but I'm pretty sure it's Cocoon, C-O-C-O-O-N-1-0. Um, so you can get 10% off, which is not, you know, a small amount. It's I think it's about 300 $50 from memory. Um, anyway, highly, highly recommend. Obviously, I haven't given birth yet, but um, I really enjoyed doing the course and I found it really slotted in beautifully with a book that I read, which I think has helped me a lot. Um, I, this pregnancy, I didn't want to read like every single book. Um, I didn't even sort of had a flick through Ina May Gaskin, who um, I read first time around, but I didn't even want, like, I wanted to feel like I was having a different experience this time. So, um, there was one book that I would just recommend to anyone who, um, is aiming to have a natural birth. Uh, and that is Rhea Dempsey's Birthing with Confidence or Birth with Confidence. She is an Australian woman, um, she is amazing and her perspective on what labor is all about really totally shifted my mindset, I've got to say, um, more than anything else. Uh, she, I'm trying to think about how to summarize what she says. Basically, <clears throat> I think first my in my first labor or in my first pregnancy, I had a lot of messaging around, you know, birth can be, um, I mean, orgasmic or ecstatic, not that I really, um, bought into that concept, but it was more, um, you know, your body's meant to do this. Um, you know, it's not a, it's not a contraction, it's a surge, it's not pain, it's discomfort. Um, and Rhea's philosophy is actually quite different. She's like, yeah, there's going to be pain, but you've got what it takes. And this pain is not like having a broken leg. This pain has purpose and feeling it is going to help you progress. So, I mean, that's not explaining very well. Um, and there's obviously nuances and I know like I've, there's lots of things about different approaches like hypnobirthing and calm birthing that I also think are great. But what I found in my first labor was I was sort of doing my techniques. I was handling it all pretty well, but then when shit got real, I kind of panicked and I didn't feel like I was well resourced to, manage the pain. Like the pain for me was, I mean, I did, this is when I went on the, um, syntocin and drip. So it was very intense, but I almost felt like, no, 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 like it's, it's not meant to be like this. It's not meant to be painful. There's something wrong. So I need to fix it and I need to be saved from this pain. Um, and I had an epidural. I don't regret that epidural at all. Um, it was magical. Um, but this time around, I just want to do things differently. Um, I'm not going to be, well, I, unless there's a medical reason, I'm not going to be induced, which led to the syntocinin and, and all of the, the, the interventions that came after that. But, um, so this time around, I think so much of it is a mental game and Rhea talks about how, you know, instead of thinking about birth as a medical event that needs to be managed, um, you've got to think about the sort of pain, labor pain as almost like you're running a marathon. So what you need when you're running a marathon and you're going, fuck, I can't do this. Oh my God, I'm halfway. I can't, I can't. You don't need people saying, um, it's okay. You don't need to put yourself through this, you know, just stop. Or just, you know, we'll take the pain away. Um, you need people around you who are going to be like, you're doing an amazing job. Here's some, you know, fluids. Here's a snack. You've only got a bit more to go, blah, 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 blah. So instead of thinking of it as a pain, like, um, you know, you're breaking your leg or there's something wrong, it's the pain of your body working hard. Um, and 
that has really resonated with me. So I feel like, yes, I'm nervous about the pain. Don't get me wrong. Um, But just reading her book has helped me shift into a place of, um, yeah, I can do hard things. Um, I know about muscles contracting and like, I know what it's like to put in a tough workout. I mean, this is going to be the toughest workout ever, but um, just having a bit of a different framework for it has helped me. So would highly recommend. Um, I'm just trying to remember what else I read that has stuck with me. Honestly, nothing that I feel is worth mentioning. Um, I joined a pregnancy circle um, run by the lovely Rachel Rose, who is a doula in Wollongong. And she very kindly let me join. Um, there are 10 of us. We've, it's just stopped recently, but it was a wonderful, must have been about eight weeks of getting together on Zoom on a Sunday afternoon and just talking about different things each um, each week. So d- different topics, um, everything. Like there was so much that we covered and more on the kind of emotional, like psycho-emotional side of things. Um, so I found that very supportive. Oh, the other book that I read that I also found great on the psycho-emotional side was um, – I only just recently finished it, Jane Hardwick Collings, the, um, 10 Moons. And if you're kind of into the spiritual, emotional, psychology side of things, that's really interesting um, to read. Uh, what else? Where do I go from here? Um, oh. I'll tell you I'll tell you a little bit about the week that I've had. No, no, I won't even bother telling you about the week that I've had. It's I've had a really difficult stressful week including um a very old 17-year-old blind deaf dog with kidney disease had to be put down. Um and there were lots of other things happening on top of that. So that's been really hard. I feel like it's been very interesting timing that that's all happened and I can't help but look for a deeper meaning in it and I feel like it's it all happened around the winter solstice and solar eclipse and new moon and it's all which is all about death and rebirth and getting rid of the old shit and leaving behind the stuff that you don't need and I really think that part of the week that I've had, which was not a fun week. And I cried a lot, um, has been about cleansing out all of that crap. Um, and saying goodbye to a lot of stuff. And I mean, obviously saying goodbye to the dog was awful. Um, but, and, and having, you know, Hard conversations with people in my life was hard. Um, that was part of it. Um, you know, there's been all sorts without going into it. Um, but I, I'm now kind of going into week 38 of the pregnancy. I mean, it could happen any day now. It could happen in a month. I don't know. But um, I feel like that's some of that stuff just, yeah, it was necessary. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. Um, I'll talk a little bit about what I've been buying, if you like. Uh, well, too bad if you don't, you can pause it here, I guess. Uh, what have I been doing? So I always talk about support over stuff, but I also really like to buy stuff. Um, I've been trying not to go crazy, um, and I've been borrowing a fair few things from people. Um, I think this boy is going to be entirely dressed in hand-me-downs, almost entirely dressed in hand-me-downs for his, the first year of his life, which I say with absolute pride because I'm all about hand-me-downs and I think it's amazing. I had about three friends with boys who just unloaded all their clothes on me, which is amazing. Um, I did early in the pregnancy buy like a bundle of nature baby stuff because um, I love nature baby things and 
they have some beautiful like little merino things and I wanted one of the things that I kind of didn't realize with Margot and wasn't prepared for was how cold it was when she was born which was June 20 so this baby's due like almost a month later um and I was just like no I didn't prepare for how cold it would be and um so this time around in that nature baby bundle there were some lovely little merino things and yeah so that's happened um I haven't bought a new pram I did think about buying a double pram I'm still I've got like a little search thing on Facebook marketplace for upper baby vista tandem pram because um I know a couple of people who've got it and love it for their kids and I think it would be great but at this point in time I just don't have the spare cash and I'm not 100 I don't think I need need it so I'm just like that's it I'm not not gonna do it um what else have I bought it's probably more useful if I tell you what worked after the baby came but I can tell you a little bit about what I've got um I bought a new Haka um pump little silicon um, pump because the one that I had works fine but it's they've got a new one that has a lid and um uh like a little almost like feet on it just suction onto the because I knocked over the hucker a couple of times and you know there's nothing worse than knocking over <laughs> your express milk so I find that found that quite handy for the early days with Margot I'm hoping same thing. Um, I bought a secondhand Snuggle Me Organic, which is like a little kind of lounger. Um, I saw these a couple of years ago and had a couple of people who swore by them. And I always thought, oh, that might be like Margot loved to be held a lot. Um, and I thought that could be a nice thing for baby to feel very held. So I got one of those. Um, someone gave me a Moses basket uh, and I also have been gifted a snoo which I will talk about in more detail um, another time but if you haven't heard about it it's basically like a smart bassinet so you can just have it as a regular bassinet if you want but if you want to you can um, use the functions that um, they claim to increase um, baby sleep time essentially it's like you know those swings that, you know, jiggle your baby a bit to settle them? It's kind of a bit like that, but in bassinet form. I'm totally underselling it. But um, for me, when I first heard about the snow and I interviewed Harvey Carp for the podcast, I was a bit dubious about like, mm, is that going to stop bonding or is it going to get in the way of breastfeeding? Or it, it, it felt kind of weird to me. And then I spoke to him and his um, reasoning made a lot of sense to me. He was like, you know, we would have been in communities where there would have been, you know, 12 to 16 pairs of hands to hold your baby. You would not like this idea that we would, we should be with our babies all the time doesn't stack up against what we have done in the past. There'd be other people to hold the baby and shush the baby and rock the baby and jiggle the baby and do all of those things. There'd be grandmas and aunties and all of that stuff. We don't have that anymore and particularly since COVID's happened, we don't have that. Um, so to me, I'm sort of thinking of it as hopefully a useful tool in my toolkit. Um, I am not putting too high an expectation on it because Margot I have no idea how she would have reacted, but like nothing I did <laughs> except co-sleeping really um, worked. But if it means that I can have a bit of extra time to read her a story or I can have a rest, um, then I'm taking it. I'm thinking of it like in the way that we use a bouncer to have a shower or a carrier to do, you know, the cooking, whatever it is, like they're all tools. Um, and I, uh, my goal is not about let's get the baby to sleep through the night because I know the importance of, um, you know, normal newborn biological sleep, which is not, involves night wakings. That's not what it's about for me. Um, for me, it's about 
hopefully buying back a little bit of time and making life a little bit easier um, while also keeping my expectations low. <laughs> so we'll see and I'll keep you all updated on how that goes for us. I've, I'm going to set it up this weekend, I think. Um, what else? I'm just looking over. I've got a couple of baskets of stuff that I've got ready for the baby. So we, I was very kindly given, um, and I bought some secondhand reusable nappies, um, which I tried the first time around, but I think I put too much pressure on myself and I was in the thick of postnatal anxiety when I started using them. It didn't work out. I didn't know anyone else who was using them. It all felt too complicated. This time around, I've bought, I think I've got about 24 and I've got them with the intention of using them part-time. So I will just see how I go and not put the pressure on myself and get rigid about things because that's kind of my catch cry for this time around. I'm not getting rigid about anything. I'm not going to get rigid about, you must use the nappies. I'm not going to get rigid about attachment parenting. I'm just going to see what works and learn about what my baby likes. So yeah, um, I still have a couple of things that I would like to buy. One is including a little changing basket, which I haven't got yet. Um, but I've bought myself a fair bit of stuff because this time around, I know that that's going to help me feel better. So I've bought, um, some cozy, few pairs of cozy pajamas. Um, I've bought a new, really lovely, warm, um, robe that I'm wearing at the moment from Country Road. Um, I bought a new set of linen duvet covers and pillowcases for our bed because I know I'm going to be spending a lot of time in bed and I want to make it feel beautiful and like a sanctuary. Um, those are the main things that I've kind of bought for myself. I've also been slowly but surely stocking the freezer. So I've got two freezers because I've got a fridge freezer for um, when I'm doing food deliveries and I'm stocking that freezer up uh, with all sorts of stuff, um, which I'm going to do a whole thing on, like I'll do a little tour on Instagram TV. So if you're interested, um, it's not done yet, but it's almost there. I think I've got like two things that I want to stock up and then I think I'm good. Um, and I've also been making up some dry mixes for the pantry. So yeah, we are definitely covered with food. I also asked a friend to set up a meal train for us, which was, you know, I'm not comfortable asking for help like most of us, but I forced myself to do it because I'm like, I have to practice what I preach. And because of COVID, I mean, it's so much better now where I am in Sydney, but um, we always plan to have kind of no visitors for the first maybe three weeks. And um, with COVID happening, we're even more like, let's just see how it goes. I mean, we'll probably have my parents and maybe, you know, I'll see how I feel. But um, meal train is a way that um, I know people like to help and we so appreciate like getting a lovely meal. So um, that that's it's really lovely. And honestly, like I get a little, so it's just through mealtrain.com, but I get like a little notification when someone signs up to the meal train and literally every time it makes me want to cry, like in a good way. Um, cause it, it's just helping me feel really like supported and loved and all of those things. Um, the other kind of surprising element for postpartum is that Michael had always planned to take a month off. Um, <laughs> that was kind of part of my deal. Like if I'm getting pregnant again, you have to take at least a month off work um, after the baby comes. And as it's happened, the contract that he was meant to go on to after he took some paternity leave has fallen over due to coronavirus. And so he's now not going to be working until October. So I am so, I cannot tell you, I, it, it's maybe, Maybe I'm being totally naive, but I'm so happy about it. Um, I just think that having him here for three months, because uh, he, he's only he's got one more week of work left, so he'll finish work the week that I'm I click over to thirty nine weeks, and then he, yeah, he's got three months, 
Um, he'll be able to give Margot lots of one-on-one attention and also take her out of the house. So when I want to sleep, you know, that's going to be so much easier. And for three months, um, Margot is still not at preschool. Um, she is going back to, she is back with my parents now, which has made a huge, amazing difference. Um, and she started doing some sleepovers with them so that um, she'll probably sleep over at their place when the baby is being born. Um, and from there, you know, might do a sleepover a week, depending on, you know, what we feel she needs, we need, all of that stuff. Um, oh, my God, I've totally lost my train of thought. Margot, yeah, Michael being off. Yeah, so we will send her back to preschool. But honestly, now that with the baby so close to coming, I know that it's probably totally safe for her to go back, but I don't even want her bringing a cold home, you know, like I'm so, um, I'm so happy that we have stayed healthy this sort of, we're only really coming into the flu season, but by this time last year, I think I'd had, um, I had the flu, definitely got the flu when we went down to Tasmania. It was awful. I'd definitely been sick a few times because kids just bring stuff home from daycare. It's disgusting. Um, so I, I know it's good for their immune system and all that stuff, but I'm just like, you know what? I don't need that right now. I don't want to get sick and go into labor. I don't want to like, no, I'm out. So she's going to stay out of preschool until the baby probably has their six week shots. Uh, what else do I have to tell you? I'm sorry. I'm rambling so much. Um, I will just say, so I was saying to Michael the other day, it's been really interesting for me to compare this pregnancy to the last pregnancy with Margot. Um, I am definitely feeling things more with this pregnancy. And I mean that in kind of every way, physically and emotionally, Part of the emotional stuff is because of everything that's been happening in the world since I got pregnant, like basically got pregnant, bushfires happened, then coronavirus, you know, and all of the knock-on effects. But, um, and physically, I'm sure, you know, there's definitely an element of of that um, is just that I'm four years older and my body's done this before. Um, but I do also think that, I'm more like I kind of went through my pregnancy with Margot just being a little bit, um, you know, super excited, but maybe a bit more naive about things and not doing any kind of work to prepare for birth and beyond, um, just kind of more like ticking boxes and getting excited and, and doing all the fun stuff, which is, you know, nothing wrong with that. But this time around, It's been quite a different experience. There's been a lot more kind of inner work. Um, I've I've been working with my psychologist throughout this pregnancy um, and doing EMDR. We've been having like, Michael and I have been having the conversations that I kind of wish I'd had first time around. Um, I've just been, like I haven't had a lot of time because I'm with Margot so much, but I... I'm definitely um, far more emotional uh, and far more in tune with my self, really, both body and mind, I think, um, and like really working hard to address fears and get on top of things and lots of practical stuff too, um, but really, really just, yeah, getting in touch with what's going on with me because I know that I'm going into this period of intense transformation with birth and with postpartum and beyond. Like I I don't know what it's going to be like. I hope it's easier than first time around, um, but I know that it's going to be intense, what, whatever it's like really. So, yeah, um, I, for postpartum, have got a postpartum doula supporting me, which will be amazing. I am so happy that things seem to be opening up again a little bit to the point where I'm, I didn't have any of my nice pregnancy things that I'd planned to be having like acupuncture and massages and that sort of stuff. Um, in 
up until like a couple of weeks ago, really. And now I've started having acupuncture again. I just had a beautiful massage today. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of really dropping into all of that self-care and trying not to feel guilty about it. I know I'm really privileged to be able to do this. Um, and all I will say about that is I realize it and also I saved for it because I knew that I really wanted it. So yeah, um, here we are, 38 weeks in a couple of days and feeling good, feeling ready, feeling actually, I don't like, I don't want the baby to come. I say feeling ready. I don't want the baby to come this week. (laughs) Michael is really on a deadline. He finishes up work on Friday. He's got a deadline for Friday. Um, I don't feel like we, we, if the baby came, we would be fine, but I don't feel quite ready. I've got a sore jaw, which I'm sure is from the tension of last week. I'm just like, there's just stuff. I'm like, no, no, no. I want to have some clear air after the shitty week that I had. Um, but other than that, I feel quite prepared. I, the, the sort of type A in me is like, I need to study more. Like I need to practice my positions more and practice with the rebozo and all of that kind of stuff. But actually, um, I, I don't, I'm fine. And now it's more about that. Okay. Let's get into the mindset of surrendering and yeah, I'm not in any, I, I think with Margot, I was so busting to meet her and I was so excited and I wanted things to happen really quickly. And this time around, I'm feeling much more philosophical about, you know, the baby comes when it comes. And while I would love to meet the baby now, um, I also know that it's all in good time. So I'm not feeling in a big rush. All right. Oh, one thing I should say, carriers. I've got so many carriers because I know that's a big thing for people. Um, I didn't buy any new. I have an old Ergo baby. I have an old Chico stretchy wrap. Um, I have a masupi carrier that I use for work. Um, and I, um, got a secondhand ring sling from one of my clients who was selling it. So yeah, I think I am covered on the carrier front. Those, that's the, other, I mean, none of that stuff is, is actually being bought during this pregnancy, but, um, I know that with Marco, she loved a carrier. I'll probably get a baby that hates the carrier now. Cause I've got five, four, five. Um, but yeah, uh, that, that's kind of the other must have thing that I found useful first time around. So yeah. And breastfeeding pillow. I got rid of my old one and I was unsure whether I should even bother having another one. I did an Instagram poll this week, such mixed responses, but, um, ultimately I had a few friends be like, I can lend you one. I can lend you one. So I've got a couple um, of different types coming my way, which I'm very grateful for. And I am grateful for all of the hand-me-downs that I have gotten this pregnancy. It's really been amazing. All right. I'm going to stop crapping on now and let you guys go. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening to Tales from the Fourth Trimester. I appreciate each and every one of you who listens, shares, rates and reviews and does all of those things, tells a friend the works. Um, If you'd like to connect with me, you can head on over to Instagram or Facebook at Cocoon by Naomi is where you can find me. You can head to my website, which is www.cocoonbynaomi.com. Thanks and see you next week. Mm -hmm.